Coming up next on Contemplate. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I'm damaged goods. That's why I'm here. That's why I get up here every week and I yell and I do it for too long sometimes and all this kind of I do it because I'm damaged goods and he saved me because I was able to put that at the cross and be forgiven. And so can you. Another powerful episode is on the way as Pastor David talks about God's plan for sex and the way so many of us have messed it all up. Here's Pastor David. We have been told lies forever. This is one of the oldest ones, that you can separate the body from the mind, that you can separate the self from the body. Melinda Selmus was a, uh, she used to identify herself as a lesbian. She's a believer. She says this, beneath all the pageantry of free sex and self-love, there is a fundamental belief that the body doesn't mean anything, that it is insignificant, in a literal sense, signifying nothing. You can do anything that you like with it. You can give it away to anyone for any reason. It's just sort of a machine, a tool that you can use and exchange for whatever purpose suits your fancy. Your body is not you. It is just a shell or a robot that the real you controls. Sound like mind-body dualism? That's the mindset of people now. And this is where we are. And this is what many of us, especially some of our youngest people, have been taught from the beginning to believe, whether they recognize it as that or not. This is what personhood is. Yeah, that's right. Preach it. So what personhood is in our culture. A robot body that doesn't matter and a mind that controls that body however it wants with no moral implications. The thing that's driving everything that you see, everything that you're watching on TV, everything that you're reading, everything, all, all these ideas, the zeitgeist of our time, the thing that's driving all of that, believe it or not, behind all of that is this simple little dualism that says that your body is basically a robot, it's a sack of meat, that your real self is spiritual and out there somewhere, and that the body is not important, and therefore whatever you do with it is just about satisfying the body and therefore the self, and the body can be used for anything you want. I'm, I'm sorry, not the self, but the body. Nancy Piercy pushes back against mind-body dualism with a biblical and true view. A Christian concept of personhood depends on who I am, that I am created in the image of God, and that God has called me into existence and continues to know and love me. Our dignity is intrinsic, rooted in the fact that God made us, knows us, and loves us. That is a Christian view. We are unified wholes. We are valuable body, soul, and spirit. And what we do with our bodies, listen, this is very important, especially for those of you who are, who are young and walking into this, but for everybody. What we do with our bodies, we do with ourselves. There's no separating. I did this thing. I, I had this, this sexual sin over here, or this one over here, and, and somehow that's somehow separated from you. No, no, no. What you do with your body, you do with yourself because your body is part of yourself. What you do with your body, you do with yourself. You cannot separate the two. 1 Corinthians 6, starting in chapter, I'm starting in verse 13. In the second half of the verse, it says, Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. 
And God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Listen, I could talk for a very long time today. I can always talk for a very long time, but I could talk for a very long time today about the hookup culture and what's going on with that and the evils of that. I could talk about the, 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 the fact that young men, we're finding now that young men can't even perform sexually with their wives when they get married because they've watched so much pornography that they've messed the neural paths of their brain. It literally can make your brain smaller and make the neural paths of your brain so that the only thing that you can, that you can have that will satisfy you sexually is to continue with pornography and deeper and deeper into that. That's happening right now. I could talk about that. I could talk about the fact that people are saying that in 10 years, robots will replace pornography. People will go into robot brothels and have sex with robots. You think it's funny. There's already one in Barcelona, Spain. They have a robot whorehouse. Okay? They think it's going to spark tourism. They're probably right. They're probably right. If your body is just a robot, doesn't it just make sense? If emotion and commitment and love are not part of sex, doesn't just, isn't it just the obvious thing to do? I could talk about how young men don't even like this new world of hookup culture and Tinder and these apps where they could just swipe left or right or whatever and find a partner and go have meaningless sex. They don't even like it. You know why? Too easy. Young men are saying it's too easy to have sex because young women have been convinced that they should be giving that up that easily. That's where we are. We could talk about that all day. The truth is that we were made in the image and likeness of God. And deep inside, people want something much more serious and significant than cheap, emotionless sex, which is what we've been pushing. You know, people today... Young people are much less likely to think that they're going to be in a monogamous relationship with one other person, much less likely to want that. They don't have hope for that. They don't have hope for serious, enduring, endearing sexual relationships. In fact, they teach themselves to become emotionless so that they don't have to be hurt as badly when they're in sexual relationships with people that are meaningless. You have to actually learn that. That's not natural. The natural thing is to desire the natural thing is that you're made in the image and likeness of God, and inside you, deep inside you, he's put this desire and this yearning when it comes to sex to be partnered with someone for life, to create a family, to have children, all of those things. Those are, part, those are deep inside us. We have to suppress them in unrighteousness to get to the kind of culture we have today and what we believe about sex. Genesis 2, 24 to 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The truth is, and this is important, if you haven't heard this, that's sad, but you need to hear this. The truth is that sex should happen between one man and one woman in a committed lifelong marriage. That's it. Like, well, what about, nope, but don't you, nope, no. Anything outside of that context is sexual immorality, which we're being told to avoid. 
Later, in other places, it says, flee from sexual immorality. I'm just telling you the truth about how God created sex. You can get upset with me or call me a bigot or call me short-sighted or call me closed-minded. If you want, feel free. I've heard much worse. I'm a lawyer, okay? But I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. You cannot separate your body from yourself. You cannot do it. The body was made by God to be good and to be you. It's part of who you are. When we are, when, when Jesus comes back and we're changed in the twinkling of an eye, it's not, woo, ghost person. We might be able to fly, I don't know, but it's a renewed body because you are a body. It's part of who you are. This separation that we've made is untrue, unbiblical, new agey, weird. Okay? You, ha- you will have a renewed body. Your body is important. If you understand that and you understand that it's you, you're much less likely to give yourself away in sexual immorality if you understand that it's sinning against your own body. Listen, it's good to be single. For those of you who are single out here and you're like, well, sex talk, this is, you're telling me I can't do it and whatever, so I might even listen. It's good to be single. Really good. It is. Paul was single, and look at what he did. There are people all over the world who have dedicated themselves I'm not just talking about like nuns and priests and things like that. I'm talking about just regular old people from regular church who just feel called to singleness, either for their whole life or for parts of their life. And it's good, okay? It's good to be single. It's also good to be married. But God made sex only for the marriage relationship. You don't get to have, you don't get to have your buffet. I'll be single, but I'll take the sex part of marriage. Doesn't work. Does not work, regardless of what every television show ever tells you. Okay? There is no other context for sex. There is no other context for sex that God made. The youth kids, and they're like, well, what about if we, and are we allowed to do, and what? There is no other context for sex and sexual acts but a man and a woman in a lifelong committed marriage. That's it. That is why those surveys consistently say that men and women in lifelong committed marriages are having the best sex and the most sex. I could talk about things like oxytocin and vasopressin. And you're like, please don't. Listen, it's not that bad. Oxytocin and vasopressin are chemicals that our bodies produce. Oxytocin is originally, we originally figured it out that it was produced during childbirth and nursing. It was a chemical that acts to bond mother and child. It's a bonding. What it does is it, it, makes, it makes this incredible bond between you emotionally, you know, this bond that happens between you and the child. And then we found out that guess what else is produced during sex? These things, vasopressin, mostly in the male, although oxytocin sometimes in the male too, and oxytocin in the female, they're both chemicals that do the same thing. When you have sex, they bond you together. They actually bond you. So you cannot, and listen to this very carefully, if you're, if you're struggling with this, let me just tell you something so that you can understand something scientifically. You cannot, quote, unquote, consent to meaningless sex. Your body will betray you. You cannot consent. You cannot say, I'm okay with this thing being meaningless because your body will betray you. It will literally start pumping out chemicals that tell you, you should stay with this person forever. It's called the monogamy chemical by some people. It literally is putting that out there. So you think that you can just do this and move on, but you can't. Because God designed you a certain way. 
He designed you a certain way. When it says two shall become one flesh. Look, think about mothers or fathers. Think about that, that baby. Those times, that pressure when it completely needs you and you're just bonded to it and you just love that baby. Before they're teenagers. Think about that. Right? <laughs> Kitty, love my teenagers. Love my teenagers. But that, that thing that's happening, there's a lot going on there spiritually. There's a lot going on there from the perspective of soul. And there's a lot going on there from the perspective of body that's joining you together. You need to understand who you are to understand this. Now, the very body that you want to treat as worthless and that other person's body are both designed to have sex be something that happens in a certain kind of union. And when it doesn't, it jacks you up. You were made to either be single or be in a committed lifelong marriage. That's how you were made. And you can fight against that all you want. Okay? Celibate and single, married and having lots of sex, those are the options. Those are the options. Anything else is sexual immorality. And Paul is telling them not to go there. We're called to enjoy life, though, okay? Our whole selves are, are called to enjoy life, body, soul, and spirit. Your body was made by God to operate in a certain way. That's why we have to abstain from sexual immorality, because you were made to, to operate a certain way. Okay? We need to value what God says is valuable. We need to value what God says is valuable. We do that by following Jesus' commands about sexual immorality. Look, we're not ascetics, you know? We're not whipping ourselves and mortifying the flesh and, 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 and going on, you know, 90-day fasts or doing what, you know, some of the, the Indian mystics will do, stand on one leg for 15 years or this kind of stuff. We're not, that's not who we are. We love stuff. You're like, but I thought the world was so evil, whatever. Yes, it has become broken, but it was made good. We were made very good. God loves stuff. He made it, including your body. Sex is good. When done in a godly way. In fact, encouraged. You really want to get, you know, worked up. Go read Song of Solomon in the Hebrew. Instead of in the kind of, you know, let's just say that the interpretations that we put in English err on the side of, uh, I'd say, prudery, almost, compared to what they're really saying. I'm not going to go into it right now, but one of these days, maybe, we'll go through that book. You guys are like, oh, please don't. Good times. Listen, some of us, starting with me, starting with me, some of us have been sexually immoral, okay? Some of us have done things to sin against our own bodies. Some of us have engaged in porneia, the buying and selling, the treating other people like things, whether that's the use of pornography, whether that's sex outside the context of marriage, whatever it is, whether that's lust that's happening inside your mind. We have sinned, some of us, me first, Sexually, okay? We got to deal with that. Now, we are not here, nor is it helpful for us to judge and act like we're better than anybody else in this. People are afraid to come to church and be honest about the, the things that they've messed up about sexually because they figure that all of us will be so harsh to them and will treat them like damaged goods and won't love them. Listen, I'm damaged goods. That's what the cross was about. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I'm damaged goods. That's why I'm here. 
That's why I get up here every week and I yell and I do it for too long sometimes and all this kind of I do it because I'm damaged goods and he saved me because I was able to put that at the cross and be forgiven. And so can you. So can you. We move forward by loving and caring for people so that they can seek forgiveness and God promises they will find it. 1 John 1.9, wonderful verse. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we didn't have that, hang it up. I couldn't live under the things that I've done if I didn't have this. That God will look at Christ instead of me. He's not looking at me for holiness, sanctification, justification. He's looking at Jesus. Jesus has paid the price for me. That's why we're here week in and week out loving, serving, and and preaching the good news of redemption, reconciliation, and transformation in Jesus Christ. That's why it's so powerful that he died for us. That's why it's so powerful and there's so much hope in the fact that he rose again bodily. I'm here on Sunday worshiping. I'm here on Sunday fellowshipping, teaching, whatever I do, because of all the things that Jesus has done for me. I know how to sleep in. I don't want to. I want to be with you. I want to talk about Jesus because of what he's done for me. He has put my sin as far as east is from west. He remembers it no more. He will do the same with yours. I'm not here to tell you about sexual morality so that you'll sit here and suffer in shame. And the Holy Spirit through Paul in writing the book of 1 Thessalonians, this letter to this Thessalonian church, was not telling the Thessalonian Christians to sit there and suffer in shame. That was not what it was about. He's bringing a message of redemption, of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of repentance, of transformation. He was there to make all things new. That's what it was about. God is here to heal you and provide you a chance to present your body as a living sacrifice, to give up sexual immorality, not to walk in it anymore, to no longer be conformed to the world, to its beliefs about valueless bodies and valuable minds, and sex being something that doesn't matter, and do what you want, when you want, and who are you to tell me? All that nonsense is out. Don't be conformed to that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have some things you need to get right with God today. Don't wait until you think you've got it all figured out to come to God. That's not going to happen. We don't figure it out. We just, we just end up getting worse. Bring it to God now, today. Fall in the arms of Jesus today. He is waiting for you. The body of Christ here is here to stand beside you. Don't go deal with this on your own somewhere. Try to make yourself good for God. He knows you're not good. He's here to forgive you. We're here to hold you, to pray with you, to love you, to encourage you. We we are not going to blush at your past, okay? You might blush at mine. I'm not going to blush at yours. I know how powerful my God is. I know the power he has to forgive sin. And I love you regardless of what you've done. You're like, no, you don't know what I've done. No, listen, I do. I know the evil in my own heart, so I know what's in yours. C.S. Lewis talks about how does he know that the, that the person down the street has a letter in their mailbox when the mailman walks by? How does he know that what's in their mailbox is letters? And he says, well, because what's in my box is letters. And I can probably assume that if the, the mailman's always putting letters in my box, that's probably what he's putting in their box. Look, I know what's in your heart because I know what's in my heart. 
I know where you feel because I know where I feel. They may be different in certain ways, but I know the wickedness of being a rebel against God of believing that I can do things the way that I want to do them. Today's the day for you. Jesus loves you. It does not matter what you've done. What matters is who he can make you. He can make you, you. The person that's done these things, the you that's done these things is the broken you. It's a spiritually dead you. He wants to make you new, a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. He wants to begin a good work in you that he'll be faithful to complete. But you've got to come to him. You've got to let some things go. Jesus loves you. Listen, I'm going to pray in a second. When I do, I'm going to ask, um, can we get like three of our deacons, um, female deacons over here in this section, and then maybe three of our elders kind of back by the cookie table. And because this is the type of thing where if people have things to deal with, they might want to talk to a man rather than a woman or a woman rather than a man. Um, and that's cool. If you've got some stuff that God's been putting on your heart, the Holy Spirit's been pushing on your heart with, you need to confess. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus today and have all this, all this sin, all this wickedness, all this stuff, all this rebellion from God, if you're ready to lay down your arms, if you're ready to stop being a sexual revolutionist, you're ready to stop the revolt and come back home, go talk to one of these people. Do not be afraid. Do not leave this place because you are too afraid to stand up and go talk to somebody about the fact that you need Jesus or the fact that you need forgiveness or the fact that you need somebody to pray with you. So do you need Jesus? Do you need forgiveness? We all do. And that can happen right now, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, simply ask Jesus to forgive your sins, believe in him as the son of God and accept his gift of eternal life. Share your heart with him and he will save you and change everything. And if we can help, call us at 360-885-9000. Or come see us at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. Easy directions are just a click away at axechurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us for our next episode for more great Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.